For many women, giving is a matter of the heart, but what if you're asked to lend a hand to a cause you feel passionate about? Let's talk about the benefits of joining a nonprofit board. Welcome to Bernstein's Women in Wealth, where we aim to engage and inspire women to make the right choices with their wealth. I'm Beata Kerr, the head of our private client core asset strategies team. And today I'm delighted to have here with me my friend and colleague, Claire Gola, who is also the host of our Inspired Investing podcast. Thanks, Claire, for joining me. Thanks so much, Beata, for having me. It's great to be here. So look, today, Claire and I are going to talk about how women give differently. We've started talking about that in prior episodes, and we're really going to talk about the time, treasure, and talent, and the notion of considering all of our assets and engaging with philanthropy. Really, the bottom line is, should we join a nonprofit board? So again, thanks, Clara. You have a ton of experience in this space through your own personal exposure to nonprofit, and obviously at work, you're really focused on nonprofit, but I'm really gonna split up our conversation here into two pieces. The first being around the question of stats with women and engagement in boards, whether they're corporate boards and nonprofit boards. And then in the back half of this episode, I wanna talk about all that you've learned in your own experience of women engaging in boards. So that works for you. I think we should get started and look at the state of play, right? Women in board representation. Tell me what you know in terms of women's membership on boards. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not surprising some of the data that we've seen, just given that not-for-profits tend to be led by women far more than for-profit companies or in the private sector. But a study by Russell Reynolds a few years back took a look inside who sits at boardroom tables. And basically about a third of nonprofit board members are female, which is significantly more than Fortune 500 companies, which are still lagging behind with only about a fifth of board members being female. Okay, so there's some good news in there. There's some bad news. A third of nonprofit <laughs> yeah. boards are women. A fifth of corporate boards are women. Well, personally, I think both of those entities are missing out, and yeah. those numbers will grow in the future. There's a ton of focus on increasing diversity of boards of all types. But we also know that research shows that women bring a lot to the boardroom table. And I think you've probably read some of those same studies. So what have you seen with women's participation on boards. Yeah, thank you. The fact is, like, I, I'm biased. Obviously, I'm a woman, so of course I think that we bring a lot to the table, uh, but research is proving this out, right? This is not Claire Gola saying this. This is research uh, across the board. Women are a real asset when they sit on boards. Diverse corporate boards, the stock shares, tend to have lower volatility, better performance, fewer governance-related issues, and invest more, more in, in research and development, right? Um, the Women's Philanthropy Institute looked at the benefits for nonprofit boards also. This is really interesting. Nonprofit boards with higher percentages of women tend to have better board engagement and higher fundraising and advocacy engagement. That's huge. The fundraising piece today, I think, is just critical. And I think some of those statistics come from the Women's Philanthropy Institute. Mm -hmm. So in our prior episode in this focus of women in philanthropy, I had sat down with Karen Yanis and Andrea Pachter representing WPI. And I thought there were a lot of aha moments in their research. And to just build on your comments, I think it's also the case that nonprofits that have more women on boards 
have frankly paid more attention to governance and to oversight, and they've been more successful at getting board members to meet with potential donors, ask for money, personally contribute, and broaden out their fundraising events. So I think to our listeners who are already volunteering with nonprofits out there, it sounds like the best thing you could do to help that organization is frankly, encourage them to get more women on their boards. Yeah, I think you're right. Generally speaking, there's there's no question about that. One of the questions that you need to be asking, though, is uh, making sure that you ask them at the right time. That's really a tricky part because the Women's Philanthropy Institute, or WPI, also explored you know, gender differences in giving around life stages. And so a lot of nonprofits tend to ask women to join boards when they're early in their career. And this is when women are juggling so many different things. Their kids may still be in elementary school. Their careers are just taking off. They're working hard to really build their practices. And they have to say no to certain things. Um, so one of the things that I would suggest that not-for-profits do is have a pipeline, right? You know that these women earlier in their careers will at some point you know, potentially have more flexibility and have more time and treasure to mm -hmm. provide, you know, for the organization and expertise. Uh, and so um, I think that's an important thing to consider. Uh, WPI's uh, research showed that uh, there is more giving and there's more likelihood of volunteering when married couples and single women um, tend to be further along in the career. And that makes total sense. And we'll come back to our own personal experiences and where we are in our life stages and mm -hmm. board involvement. But it reminds me of something else I've been talking a lot about lately, which is the notion of diversity and how to think about diversity and representation. Because you don't just want to think about diversity by gender, right? But you want to think about what you're saying, Claire, is really diversity by age grouping, mm -hmm. right? Because especially for women, if they're being asked to participate at a time when they simply can't give the time, Maybe it's better for them to give treasure at that point, not sit on that board and think about engaging with the organization in a different way and then come back later, right? When the kids get to high school and want nothing to do with us, right? <laughs> As moms, yeah. et cetera. Uh, well, so let's really transition. I think we've made the point that women are a powerful asset, both to nonprofit boards and corporate boards, but sticking with our theme here of philanthropy, let's say you're one of our listeners today you're thinking about getting more active with the philanthropy that you're passionate about, and your approach to join a board. Help our listeners really think through what's involved, what are the expectations, where do they start? Yeah, um, I, I'm laughing a little bit here because you meet one organization and you meet one organization, right? Every single board is very different, and the expectations and the general uh, responsibilities are going to vary dramatically depending on what the organization is all about, how new is it, how established is it. And so generally speaking, uh, some of the, I would say, themes across the board are that board members are expected to attend the meetings, right? They're, and that might be quarterly, it might be monthly, it's certainly something to check on, and participate on one or more of its subcommittees. A lot of the work at not-for-profits at the board level gets done between the board meetings. It's the fundraising committee, it's the finance or the audit committee, the programming committee. There are all these different committees where that's really when the people come together and, and roll up their sleeves and do the hard work. And do you find that board meetings tend to be on average four times a year or eight times a year? 
You know, again, I think there's a difference between if you look at sort of the life cycle of an organization, a lot of newer, uh, younger, smaller grassroots organizations tend to be more what I would call a working board. And that is really where the staff is so limited that the board members are relied on more for some of the day to day, right? You know, truly some of the more of the operations of the organization, I would say. And in those cases, you will tend to see more board meetings, more committee meetings um, with more established institutions, some of the larger entities, some of the, you know, the, the educational or the cultural institutions that are more of a household name in any community. Those tend to be more what I would call governance boards. And those really do tend to be quarterly. Um, and the subcommittees tend to be quarterly as well. That's just generally. So I'm, I'm really drilling down here because I'm personally went through this experience of deciding I wanted to be involved more in the nonprofit and started to do the research. And I would also back up and reference one of our other prior episodes, the notion of funding your favorites. One of my favorite episodes, I keep referencing it because before you decide to get involved, figure out what you're really passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. Because clearly no matter what, whether it's a grassroots organization or a larger organization, this is going to be a big time commitment. So you don't want to be getting involved unless you truly believe in the mission. And I went through that process myself. And one of the things I learned was really that for me personally, it was important to be involved in an organization where I felt I could make a difference. And that meant I'm not a nationally known philanthropist, so I'm not going to make a difference on these very large nonprofits, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a difference in more of a grassroots organization. But like you said, the trade-off with that is potentially a bigger time commitment, right? So I think it's something that our listeners should be aware of. So let's come back to other things to think about when they're thinking about board participation. Obviously, time, committees, regular board meetings. Uh, what's one of the most important aspects of being a board member, Claire? Certainly fundraising. Right. Uh, yeah, that's more and more. It comes up quite a bit. And I was thinking about that as one of the questions that you might want to ask as you're engaging with an organization and potentially thinking about joining the board is, what is the expectation in terms of fundraising? Um, many boards have a give or get sort of standard. It may be in the thousands of dollars. Typically it is. It could be just the hundreds. And again, that is going to depend on the size and scope of the organization very often. Um, I would also say, though, it, it, what type of fundraising? because that's going to differ dramatically from one organization to the next also. Some organizations are very heavy on uh, fundraising events and they might expect their board members to get involved in these events. Others might really be asking you to join the board because they know that you're comfortable potentially sitting in a room with a major donor and making that direct one-on-one -on -one ask. So you need to know what you're comfortable with, what type of fundraising you're comfortable with before you uh, engage in the board as well. So Claire, in all of your experience being a really active board member and also in your professional experience overseeing our endowment and uh, foundation business, you have a ton of exposure to different types of boards. What have you seen go wrong with board membership that we should know about? Yeah, that that is an interesting question because where I've seen it go wrong is I've had a number of people come to me over the years and say, you know, Claire, I don't understand how you stay on all of these different boards. I had a really negative experience. I joined ABC board a year ago, 
and it has a marquee list of board members and I haven't developed any business out of it. It just hasn't been a good experience for me. And I, I say to them, well, it's a negative experience for you because you joined that board for all the wrong reasons, right? And it goes back to the idea of joining a board not solely for the prospect of developing your own personal business that may come as a byproduct of it, um, but it's really joining it because you care about the mission and there is some sort of a personal connection there. Um, what I have found from a business development standpoint and where that has come out as a positive byproduct for board members is because they are both so passionate about the mission, they're engaging on these subcommittees together. Um, they're seeing how other people operate and that they are um, professional, smart, capable in this sort of quasi-professional setting, that trust barrier is completely diminished mm -hmm. and they are comfortable doing business together in other ways outside of the board. Um, but it all stems back to the mission, right? It, it's not about joining because you want to get business out of it. Right. I, I mean, that makes total sense. And I'm not in the least bit surprised to hear that because it sounds very transparent. Mm -hmm. I haven't experienced that personally, but I could see exactly how that would play out. And it, it, it just makes total sense along with everything else that you're saying. It's going to take time. It's going to take treasure and it's probably going to take talent. So a yep. board commitment really shouldn't be taken lightly. And so maybe at this point, some of our listeners are wondering, gee, this is a heavy lift. I've got a lot going on. What, you know, really gets women to step up to the plate and say, I'm going to do this? And, and have you found that that's different than what gets men uh, to do the same? Yeah. I, well, number one, I think it's so important, and you referenced this earlier, to, to care about the mission, right? There are a lot of organizations out there that could use time and talent and treasure from any, you know, from any individual. But for that connection to be there and for you to really put your best foot forward and be the most impactful board member, um, you want to have that connection with the mission. Um, and interestingly, uh, just in terms of the gender differences in, in motivations for joining boards, Old Dominion did a study on this. They looked at gender differences in what motivates men and women to join boards. And they found that women reported altruistic reasons, uh, and that could be a whole host of things, but certainly mission orientation being one of them, and cited the opportunity for personal growth at higher rates than men as really the catalyst for joining those boards. Yeah, that's been very interesting. Ever since I met with Andrea and she talked about those takeaways in her research, we've really been drilling down to this notion, and I reference you back to that episode where she gave the example of giving circles and how mm -hmm. women tend to dominate or really own the concept of giving circles, and they affiliate in those giving circles on missions that are close to the heart. And a lot of times it is women giving back to women and girls. And again, bringing back to my own personal journey and thinking about nonprofit engagement, I did decide that I really wanted to focus on, uh, not surprisingly, women's empowerment and engagement. And I decided to work with an organization that's really focused on the rights of women in the workplace, in particular, low-income women and women that uh, tend to be hourly and thinking about fair labor practices and scheduling certainty and no salary history. And again, for me, that was really a deeply personal mission and I felt that it was important for me to give back um, as I've been successful in my career. But it's also an opportunity, I think, for women to really use their time and treasure and continue to build skills because I think my long-term plans involve being on boards, whether they are corporate boards or nonprofit boards over time. So I think there's real benefits to participating 
obviously not just for the organization, but for your own personal skill development. And have you found something similar? Yeah, no, there's so many learning opportunities when uh, you join a board of directors. Um, and it goes back to the old Dominion study too. I mean, this is, this is opportunity for personal growth. Um, I have found that some of the most engaged committee members, I often, not surprisingly, the business we're in, I'm asked to be on a finance committee or an investment committee. And I have found that some of the most engaged investment committee members are those people who have joined that committee because they really want to understand more about that, right? That this isn't necessarily their skill set, but they are willing to really be the devil's advocate or just you know, ask the questions that some of us may overlook just being in the industry every day. So I think that's an interesting experience that I've found. But I mean, you think about all the different committees, the audit committee, governance, I mean, really learning about many of the facets of running a business, because that's what not-for-profits are, right? They are businesses themselves. They just happen to be tax exempt. Um, it, it, there is just a, yeah, a ton of opportunity there. And also you mentioned giving circles. It creates a sense of community, right? Mm -hmm. So there is this sort of networking opportunity, but I would call it more of sort of a community building opportunity where you really get to know people who share the same passions and interests as you. And it's just upward from there. So it's a win-win for everybody involved, right? Yep. And so really coming to a close in our conversation in many ways, I want to leave our listeners with checklists or things mm -hmm. to consider if they've really reached this point of considering joining a board. And so if we had to boil it down uh, for our listeners and say, what should they be asking? Give us the questions to ask that the organization before they say yes. Yeah, definitely. We actually have a great piece on this. I, I think it's on our website from our Seeds You Plan publication where we do have a checklist. Uh, so I will okay. reference that and yeah. tell the audience to go check that out uh, on, our, on our website. But you know, number one, definitely just do your homework. Sit down with the organization, um, really have a conversation about what the responsibilities are, the expectations are, all of the things we had mentioned. Number two, something that we've hit on is, am I really interested in this mission? Does it truly inspire me personally? Because again, there are a lot of organizations out there that need your help, but finding that one that really connects um, is going to be a catalyst for you to be more comfortable asking others to give, to be an ambassador for that organization. Um, the time piece, definitely how often are the meetings held. Um, term limits, this is something that is really important to ask. Does the board have term limits? How long will I, you know, will this membership last? Is it two years? Is it five years? Is it five years and then I can be on it for another five years and then it never ends? It's just continuous consecutive uh, terms. So that's something that's important to, to ask. And then also, this sounds a bit technical, but do they have DNO insurance or, or directors and officers insurance? You're signing on as a fiduciary for this organization. So you do want to make sure and I don't mean to scare people with this, but you do want to make sure that the organization recognizes that too, that there's liability, that they're at a stage where they are comfortable operating with a you know, full board of directors and that you are covered in that way. And most organizations out there that ask you will, will have that, but it is a good okay. question to ask. 
So there's a lot of questions in there, and mm -hmm. I think maybe I should summarize and take them slowly, right? Yeah. The notion of, first of all, aligning the organization with your values, right? Don't mm -hmm. bother with this type of commitment if, if you're really not passionate about it, because you'll find yourself in a worse off place than you started, right? So first of all, make sure you understand the organization. Get to know the leaders, the people. Hopefully you've attended their events and otherwise you wouldn't be considering a board position mm -hmm. because you already know them so well by the time you're considering it, you've done that homework and you've checked that box. So now you move to the question of what does the board participation look like? Time commitment, financial commitment, right? personalities on the board, the what makes you a successful board member. And your last point was really relevant, and perhaps a lot of people don't think about this, is what are the risks to you mm -hmm. as a board member? So making sure the organization is financially sound, mm -hmm. and what are the ebbs and flows of fundraising and revenues for that organization, and how much insurance do they have, right? And, and the directors and officers, liability insurance in particular is important. So we will post that list that you referenced on this episode's webpage. So we'll make it easier Great. for our listeners to find that checklist. But with that, I would really say we've covered a lot of ground. And if I'm gonna, <laughs> we have in yes. a really short period of time. So I've got to summarize and say what I think we've said is, Look, women are a great asset to organizations, whether it's corporate board or a nonprofit board. There's good reason why so many organizations are looking to diversify their boards. There's lots of studies to support that. And on the other side, there's tremendous benefits for women to join a board, right? And the checklist is long to look into your due diligence and ensure that it's the right fit. But certainly, speaking on behalf of us, we can say it's well worth it. Do you have Absolutely. anything else to add, Claire? What I miss? Thank you. I think it's great to just get this information out there to the to the audience. Wonderful. So thank you again for joining me today, and thank you all for listening. If you want to learn more, please see the link in this episode's description. And as always, we look forward to hearing from you. So don't hesitate to reach out to us uh, by email at insights at Bernstein.com. You can also find us on Twitter at BernsteinPWM and rate us on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.